It doesn't matter whether you were just pushed down in a playground one time or someone said or someone left you in a car one I mean, it happens in so many different ways. I think between that and the constant negativity that's entering our eyes and ears from social media to 24-hour news, we're pushed towards status, power, and respect, especially men, and we fear the hell out of embarrassment. So really opening up and being authentic. A lot of men won't do that, regardless of what their story is, what their trauma is, or what they believe now. It's hard to have negativity going into our eyes and ears almost all of our waking hours. Now, our souls can't handle it. Relationships are hard. Being a human's hard. Self-love, self-confidence, self-courage, self-respect is hard. Leading ourselves is really difficult. And the number one problem out there right now in both business leadership and our relationships is self-awareness. Gentlemen, what is going on, guys? Welcome back this week to another amazing, very exciting episode of the Superhuman Life. As always, guys, before we dive into today's guest and conversation, let me just take a moment and remind you how incredibly grateful and thankful we are to have you here with us today. Guys, I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the Superhuman Life, the only podcast in the world that is dedicating to helping men level up in those five key areas of his life. Yes, we're talking about his faith, his fitness, his finances, his family, and ultimately his freedom. So he could break through any upper limits, shatter the glass ceiling on his life, unlock his potential, achieve greatness, and go on creates the life that he was born and created to live his own superhuman life, guys. And today we have an incredible guest, somebody that has reached the pinnacle of success in many areas of his life, but has realized that it's so much more than chasing money, material possessions, recognition, status. Ultimately, our success is found in who we are, who we share with others, and how we lead ourselves and lead others, guys. And I'm so grateful to get to share our guest here with you today. But before I introduce him, let me just take a moment and remind you guys that you're getting value out of these conversations, guys. Uh, you can really help us uh, in getting this message out there. Guys, over these last few weeks and months, we've really seen some tremendous growth, and it's all because of you guys. We record these weekly episodes. We create these relationships. We produce this podcast to help you. And if you want to help us help you and help more people, guys, if you're getting value, please take a moment and leave us a five-star rating, a written review on whatever platform you are consuming this on. Basically, it becomes a currency of this podcast, and it helps us in reaching more people, guys. So we'd really appreciate the time and efforts uh, to support the show. Uh, but joining me today is Tommy Breedlove. Tommy is a Wall Street Journal in USA Today best-selling author of the book Legendary. And he's also the founder of the Legendary Life Movement, a movement that empowers dri driven people to be pros in leadership, business, mindset, and their relationships. Tommy challenges high achievers to stop chasing the ghost of more and win and lean into legendary leaders, spouses, humans that they were born to be. Now, as a premier leadership, business, relationship, and mindset coach who is a regular featured keynote speaker at global events, Tommy started his 20-year corporate career at one of the largest financial consulting firms in the world and eventually became a shareholder, the international practice leader, and a member of the board of directors for the largest public accounting and financial firms in the Southeast United States. While at the top of his career, Tommy experienced a transformational moment, inspiring him to walk away from the corporate world to change his life and follow his true calling. Tommy now serves clients and audiences everywhere by empowering them to build and live legendary lives. He guides people to discover a life of significance without compromising their drive or ambition. The simple tools he shares shows them how to work in their zone of brilliance, obtain financial confidence, and live with meaning and balance. The goal is to help everybody to become the person they've always wanted to be. When Tommy isn't speaking or serving his clients, he enjoys traveling the world, hiking, and spending quality time with his wife and two dogs, guys. And I think just based upon that brief introduction and bio to Tommy, those of you that know me, know what we're about here, will understand why I'm so fired up to share this conversation with you because I truly think that Tommy and I's missions are so aligned. I felt like I was talking to somebody that I've known for 20 years 
and I literally met Tommy 20 minutes before we started recording this conversation. Uh, we talk about Tommy's journey. We talk about that truly defining moments um, when he decided to walk away from his corporate career. But we even go further back into Tommy's story because it was a pivotal moment uh, at the age of 19 that led Tommy to find the corporate success. And I think that if he had not found that corporate success, he obviously wouldn't be to do be doing the work that he's doing today. So we talk about a very defining moment when he found the power and strength in mentorship. We talk about the journey of vulnerability that Tommy has now been on and what he's learned and how he's taking these lessons and sharing it with others, how he's building this legendary life movement out, how he's creating retreats and masterminds and courses uh, to help people live legendary, live superhuman in all those areas that they want to live in. So guys, without further ado, let's get into today's conversation with Tommy Brelove from the ditch to Deloitte to the top of the mountains. Guys, we love you. We'll see you next week. Tommy, my brother, welcome to the superhuman life. Frank, we've already had a badass world-class discussion, man. I cannot wait to see where this goes today, my friends. <laughs> well, like I told you, man, I think we're so aligned with our missions. I think our background, I think you and I are probably wired very, very similarly. So I think that this is going to be an epic conversation. Hopefully we can get uh, somebody inspired to take some action here today. And what I love about you, Tommy, and everything that you do, it comes from the place of service first. And clearly here, it's in your messaging. You can read it in all of your content. You can hear it in your voice. Like you are here to help, serve, coach, mentor, lead, and inspire other people. But where I want to go, Tommy, is I want to go a little bit back in Tommy's story. And when did a mentor come into your life? I know there's a radical kind of life transformative moment that happened early on with a very key mentor. So take us back at that time. Where was Tommy in his life? And how did that individual really change the trajectory of your life completely? Yeah, I was incarcerated at 19 years old. And, um, and I'll tell you the backstory of that here in just a second. And thank goodness, I was actually 18 at the time. I turned 19 in the facility, uh, an adult uh, in South Atlanta, a uh, detention facility, and uh, an African-American gentleman decided to step over racial lines, which is unusual in those places. Uh, he was in his 40s. I was 18 years old. Um, I was, before that, slated to be the first person in my family to ever go to college, got willing to graduate. You know, I came from good, solid, blue-collar roots. Mm. Fortunately, grew up in around a lot of abuse and violence inside and out of the home. And at 18, as opposed to going to the University of Miami or somewhere else to better myself to get out of the, that neighborhood, I became what I hated and became that rage, became that anger and committed a violent crime and was looking at seven years in prison. Luckily, they dropped it down to two years, two heavy misdemeanors, but uh, I was sentenced to two years and spent my 19th birthday in that institution. But uh, my first true male mentor uh, I didn't have any real strong male mentorship growing and I uh, didn't really know what being a man or becoming a man or uh, owning yourself and owning your story really meant like. And his name was Tony. He called me Youngblood. He said, Youngblood, you're not going to become a part of this revolving door system. We're going to we're going to lead you. We're going to love you. We're going to get you to hold yourself accountable and we're going to get you out of this. And you're not going to be like me here in your 40s and constantly in and out of these things and, and running back to that neighborhood and those people who were no good for you. And so he was the first true male mentor. Um, it was almost like a divine thing um, for him to do that for me. You know, I thought I was a wolf at the time. I realized within about two seconds of walking in that place that I was a sheep. <laughs> I love your, your, your hat, lion's not sheep. And I realized real quickly I, the, the tough guy I thought I was is way out of his league. And uh, luckily with his love, his mentorship, I was able to dust myself off. When I got out, went to work at a factory, went to community college that night, and it's led me here to where we are today, man. So that was the first real male mentor. I did have one. I, I want to give a, shout, a special shout out to my grandfather, who I lost early. But he was probably the first and only person uh, growing up that gave me safety, showed me love, um, got me away from some of the really ridiculous stuff that was happening on the street and inside the home. And I, I just want to give a special shout out because I, not really from a mentor standpoint, but just showing what love actually is. And I think between those two men, it really set me on a trajectory to, to, to be here you today, brother. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. What is it you think Tony saw in you? That is a great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, he probably saw fear. He probably saw potential. He probably saw hope. I think he had become a stage in his life that, you know, he was a very big man, a strong man. Um, he had two young, young kids. 
Um, there was sadness in him. I think he made it an opportunity to give back. I think it was an opportunity for him to be a net giver, to be of service. We talked about that earlier and to do something right and to do it for someone so young. Maybe he saw myself, himself in me a little bit. Maybe he saw himself in me and maybe this is an opportunity to be a dad to a guy who doesn't really have that. Um, I had it, but I didn't have it. And give back and maybe give him an opportunity that now with all my wisdom, with all of my scars, with all of my stories, to lean into him. And it was a, a beautiful thing, man. And I, maybe he said, the answer is, I don't know, but probably he saw some of himself in me is, is what I think. Yeah. As, as, as a mentor to so many young men, I feel a special relationship with the ones that I can see small pieces of me inside of them. So I definitely understand that quite a bit. And it's like, you want for them everything that maybe you didn't get to experience. Yeah. So we're 19, we're incarcerated. You talked about this blue collar kind of upbringing, kind of rough, you know, rough, rough neighborhood. How do we get into financial world, you know, <laughs> millions of dollars, like, and then exiting that, like kind of, kind of take us from there in a shortened time possible. Cause I know your story could take up the entire time that we have here today. Bring us fast forward to today, the Tommy Bree love legendary masterminds <laughs> retreats. I know that's a big kind of gap we want to fill in there, but I'll do it fast though, brother. Cause yeah. I want to make it all about the work and, and being of service. And so when I got out, we talked about it, went to community college at night. I was working basically in subsidized. I was living in subsidized housing, driving an hour a day to a factory, making $6 an hour, brutal work. It ended up costing me a back surgery and a hernia surgery. It was brutal work. Um, but I went from the factory to community college, ended up at the University of Georgia. And one of the things I'm proud of is I went from a jail, a cage to a company called Deloitte in three and a half years. Um, I made school my full-time job, you know, cut a lot of the toxic things out of my life. But fast forward, so I was in that world, public accounting, mergers and acquisitions, uh, finance, financial consulting for almost 17 years. But fast forward to I'm 36. So I thought the American dream here, I've made it to one of the probably the most elite financial firms in the world. I was recruited out of there to multiple other firms. So I was diagonaling, but I was, I was just out hustling everybody. I was turning my rage to the work. I was still filled with rage. And here we are at 36 years old. I got the corner office, the shiny cufflinks, the nice suit, the beautiful woman on my arm, making more money, probably more money in a month than my parents made ever. Um, and so, but still alone still insecure, which came out in arrogance. You know, arrogance is loud and insecure. It's like insecurity on steroids. Still the funny guy, the life of the party guy, the cool guy, the couldn't ask for help guy, um, just outwork you, out hustle you, and thought that the money, the power, the status, which I think is important, but it's a magnifying glass. If you're, if you're not a nice person, it's gonna magnify that nice, not a nice person. And I was still in all that pain. I never dealt with any of those demons. And so when all that didn't light me up, man, I turned to the darkness. I turned to the Wolf of Wall Street lifestyle you know, wine and women and drugs and craziness and all nights and just pure debauchery. And at 36 years old, I, I found myself in a ditch in downtown Atlanta, half-dressed, didn't know where I was. I'm a, I'm a principal in the firm looking up at the blue sky and I'm thinking, man, I don't, I'm not going to get number three. I, I don't know if I'm going to get a third chance. This is number two. And I really was just staring at the sky like, who are you, man? What do you stand for? Uh, it looks great on the outside. Like on the outside, it looked good, man. But my marriage was crumbling. I was filled with rage. I was still alone. I was still that little boy just begging to be seen, heard, loved, and valued. And at that moment, I remember, and I'll fast forward here. At that moment, I remember a, 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 one of our, ther our marriage therapists, clearly I was in marriage counseling, uh, said, hey, man, there's a, there's a place in Tennessee that can do more for you in seven days than I can do in 10 years because you are closed and you are angry and you got some stuff to deal with. And, uh, and, I, and I remembered that. And I went home and told my wife everything. And I said, look, I, I fully expect if you can have it all. We didn't have kids. You can have it all. You've earned it. And I'm going to go to this place and figure out who the hell I am. And so I spent seven days there and it opened me up for the first time to feel, gave me hope and gave me the tools, and I made those tools my full-time job. So I literally made me, my heart muscle, my mind muscle, and my soul muscle, my full-time job. And here's how Legendary came. I never planned on leaving the world, but in three short years of becoming me, the authentic me, the real me, I doubled my income. I went to shareholder, to board of director, to owner of one of the largest firms out there, financial certainty set. Uh, my network went from negativity to positivity, but more importantly, I had this peace of mind. I had this quiet confidence. I had this courage 
and my marriage went from life support. She did the work with me to beautiful. And, and all these people started reaching out to me, man, uh, entrepreneurs, corporate executives, bankers, you name it, uh, saying, I thought they wanted to do deals. I never planned on leaving that world. Now they want to know how I did it. And what magic pill was I taking or what quick fix was there? And so I just started telling them my real story, opening up about who I really was. Because I hid all that, right? I hid my past. I hid the trauma. I hid the ditch. I hid the jail. And I just started opening up being me for the first time ever and giving them permission to tell their stories and how I did it. And they're like, man, you need to write a book. And so we wrote a book, Legendary. It became a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. I sold my On Valentine's Day, I told my... I mean, our financial, we were, we were secure the rest of our lives if we would have stayed. And I told her, I want to go chase this dream of helping ambitious men and women just like me to not only be elite in business and success, but be elite in life and their relationships. And most importantly, their relationship with themselves. And we chased this dream. And now we've built the Legendary Life Movement. It's retreats, it's experience, mastermind. We bought a property we, we talked about offline in the beautiful North Georgia mountains where we host a lot of our foundational retreats, but we do cool experiences all around the country. We want to be the family that people do business in life with. To connect authentically. To, if we had all the answers, we can't build a legendary life. Isolation is the enemy of excellence. And so let's come share wisdom about business practices, about how do we scale and grow our impact? How do we be great leaders? How do we be more successful? But also, how do we not lose life and intimacy and friendships and the relationship with ourselves on the pursuit of more and win? And so that's how I got to legendary. And I hope that was fast enough, brother. <laughs> brother that, no, that was, that, was, that was so good, man. That gives us a lot to really kind of pick apart, chew on a little bit. I want us to obviously get to... Uh, the Tennessee event, kind of what took place from there, what was actually taught, what can we kind of pass along to the audience here. But I want to actually go back a little bit, even deeper into your story, because there's something that is like screaming at me that if I don't get clarity on it, like it's going to drive me crazy. Maybe the audience will get some value out of this as well. So you talked about the Tommy, like in the firm, right? Like he's running from fear. Like there's, he's driven by anger, rage, like all these emotions. But you, you painted a couple pictures, right? With your grandfather, like giving you love love like Tony in, in in the prison as well like giving you love you even talked about I came for this blue collar like hard-working family like so I heard a picture of like a somewhat of a, a a good upbringing what is Tommy running from and what's driving this anger fear and rage yeah so the trauma that I didn't know existed until I was 36 so that place in Tennessee cut me wide open let me know that I wasn't alone in my fears, my insecurities, my rage, my anger. Um, so <clears throat> I was relentlessly bullied as a young man, um, being the skinniest youngest in an all boy neighborhood, beat up a lot. And I'm a big dude now, man. I mean, I'm six two and you wouldn't know it, but you know, I got you hear it in your voice. So yeah, you're, you're not a five foot two dude with that, with that tenor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as a young man, just to be blunt, there was a lot of emotional, uh, a lot of physical and a lot of sexual abuse in a lot of different ways. And uh, I, I, inadvertently and directly, I was basically told that I was a piece of garbage and I believed it. So I was, I was believing the story that was told to me, that was beat into me. And it was never there, the expectations and the, there was no safety, man. And so I didn't realize that. I, and this, was a, this was a coping mechanism and it, it also still rears its head today. Like, let's say you and I go to Hawaii for a week. When I get back, I won't remember that even happened. It's like, this didn't even happen yesterday. And I've been working on that now for 13 years. It was a protection mechanism. So I didn't, I was unaware. I didn't know I was angry. I didn't, I had blocked all that out. I didn't know that I was insecure. I didn't know that I was never being me. And I was always trying to prove to somebody really what I wanted is just to be seen, heard, loved, and valued. And I was doing it in all the wrong ways because I didn't really have that. I had a, a granddad that gave me pieces of that, which probably saved me. I gave Tony. But I, at the end of the day, I felt unlovable. And, um, and honestly, in my relationships, I always wanted to pull the rug out before they did it to me. So I was sabotaging all of my relationships, not only with myself, but with them because so many people have proven me that it's not if they're going to hurt me badly, it's when. Um, and so it always manifests itself in my friendship, my marriage. Uh, and I was always sabotaging those relationships before they did it to me. And I, and, and I had no idea I was doing any of that. It was just I was so unconscious and unaware. And, um, and that, that's really the reason why. How many men out there do you think are 
living in that state where they're sabotaging relationships, where their trauma is directing thoughts, actions, behaviors that they're not even consciously aware of. I think there's a significant amount there and it doesn't matter whether you were just pushed down in a playground one time or someone said, or someone left you in a car one. I mean, it happens in so many different ways and everybody's got their own story and it affects them differently. And I think between that and the constant, constant negativity that's entering our eyes and ears from social media to 24 hour news, I, I know you're really active in helping people recover from porn, but that's so accessible and it's such a fantasy and it wires our brains in such a weird, wrong way. I think the inundation, I think the, I think people and we're, we're pushed toward, and this is not a bad thing. It's just a thing that we're pushed towards status, power, and respect, especially men. And we fear the hell out of embarrassment. So really opening up and being authentic, really opening it up and asking for help. It's a lot of, a lot of men won't do that regardless of what their story is, what their trauma is or what they believe now. And I think there's a lot of, it's hard to have negativity going into our eyes and ears, almost all of our waking hours and the division and the us first them and the cancellation nonsense. And um, it's really difficult for men and women right now. Our souls can't handle it, man. So you compare and relationships are hard. Being a human's hard. Self-love, self-confidence, self-courage, self-respect is hard. Leading ourselves is really difficult. And the number one problem out there right now in both business leadership and our relationships is self-awareness. And really knowing thyself, but then getting the tools. And what I want to tell people is whatever you're going through right now, there's millions going through it. Whether it's a relationship issue, you're not as successful as you want to be, you freaking hate yourself. But our goal here, what we do is to take when they, I want people when they look in the mirror and see something, see an ally and not an enemy. And we've all got this damn voice in our side. I've named mine Ike. And my wife to this day says, hey, did Tommy wake up or did Ike wake up? Because you're being a real a-hole. And uh, I was like, yeah, it's Ike. I'll, I'll blame Ike on that. But to this day, it's like muscles. We're not taught to build our heart muscles, our mind muscles, our soul muscles. We're taught to build our physical muscles. Um, but we're never taught about how to be confident and courageous and peaceful and humble and peaceful and present and proactive and not reactive. And for us to be the best letter, leaders and humans, we have to prioritize ourselves first. We have to put our, it's the most selfless thing we can do. And I'm not talking about just the physical work and being world-class at your craft, which I hope all of you are, are working toward it. But I'm also talking about world-class in your heart, mind, and soul. And so I think it's a real pandemic of people don't love themselves. They're angry. They're sad. They're insecure. They're judgmental. And by the way, when we're judging someone else, we say in our movement, I want you to be curious first and critical second. Something I work on every day. By the way, this is not what it looks like to have it all figured out, man. I am doing this work every day. And I'll own, brother Frank, I found myself about three weeks ago in a really dark spot. I just had three wonderful, we went on this experience in Kentucky with 16 world-class men We've had fun, we've had adventure, we've learned, we've grown, we've leaned in as leaders. And there I was, still again, because I'd gotten away from the work. I'd gotten away from the daily routine. I'd gotten away from the deep work. And I was just working again, 15, 16 hours a day, chasing that ghost of more and when, not asking for help, not practicing what I preach. There I was alone, insecure, fearful, and damn near going toward that ditch, again, proverbial ditch this time. And so I have to walk this work every day. And I think we all do because when we're not growing, we're dying. When we're not building our heart, mind, and soul muscles, they're going to atrophy or they're not even built at all. So I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. No, brother, that's amazing, man. It resonates 100% with, with all of that. And, you know, we've talked about it multiple times on the show. Like why I do this is this more than anything is like kind of therapy for me. Like I'm literally like I have a four-year documentation of like all the struggles and challenges that I've gone through. Anybody's curious what's going on in Frank's life at a specific period over the last four years, <laughs> go look at the conversations that I've been having because this is just me literally <laughs> Processing my life. I've had a lot of those moments here as well. And I love the fact that we have you six foot two. I'm six foot three, 255 pounds. We're going to get into a conversation around self love because I think yeah. it is the most important conversation <laughs> that men need to be having. Truthfully, like we say that we will die for other people in our lives, that we love our wives, that we love our children, we will die for them. Most men don't love themselves enough. And I think that this, more than anything, is what holds men back. Because if you love the person looking back at you in the mirror, you wouldn't let the addiction control you. If you love the person looking back at you in the mirror, you wouldn't let the 30 pounds still hover around your waist. If you love the person looking back from you every single day in the mirror, you wouldn't go to the job that's making you miserable. You would figure out how to turn your passion 
into something that's profitable. Mm. So speak to self-love. Like how can a guy begin to develop more love for the person that's looking back at himself in the mirror? And, and again, I want all men, and you know this, I, I have, I have I t- you got to take away a couple things and we got to add a few things. Yeah. And these are muscles. It takes time. And the challenge, I mean, you just threw down the gauntlet to all the, the, the men out there that, and I think all of us in some way are struggling with this, with insecurities, our fears, our deepest, darkest desires, all the, all the stuff, the stew. But that, by the way, that makes life great. Um, but for me, it's, a, it's first of all, the question is, do you want to live your life or do you want to live your story? And you are telling a story inside your head that is most likely not true. That was most likely given to you. So whatever that insecurity, that fear, that judgment, that anger, that rage, whatever it is, that aloneness that you feel, it's a story inside your head and we've got to rewire it. Um, It starts with, it's literally, this is going to get a little technical, but it's true. Our subconscious drives us. So I don't want to eat that pie to ice cream. Damn it, I ate that pie to ice cream. I don't want to drink that 66 beer. I've drank that 66 beer. I don't want to watch the porn. I'm watching the porn. That's because our subconscious is wired that way to numb us, to make us feel better. Or I don't want to watch 100 hours of Netflix. Well, that's fantasy. We're escaping. And so what we've got to do is rewire our subconscious to let it drive the ship from negativity to positivity, from anger to fear to love to abundance. The easiest way and the hardest way is, this is the truth, is we've got to get all the negative Nellies out of our life. That's number one. Um, you know the joke, brother. If you look around your family and don't see the crazy when you're it, same thing. <laughs> yeah. If you're in pain, you're surrounding yourself with pain. If you're a, a judgmental person, you're surrounding yourself with judgmental people. So the first thing you got to do is look in the mirror and know that's the problem, the solution. You are 100% accountable to your future. Nobody owes you a darn thing. No one's going to come give you. There is no magic pills. you got to go take it. And the number one thing is get rid of the negative. So all of those negative people in your life, fire them. And that negative person in the mirror, I call him Ike, fire him. Uh, there was a three-year period. I fired that dude every single day and rehired Tommy. Rehired that, that, that loving, abundant, service-minded, impactful person. So number one is getting rid of the people. Number two is you got to cut out the noise, man. And this is hard, hard, hard for people to do. Noise is filling our eyes and ears and our hearts every single day, all day. The 24-hour news networks, Fox News, CNN, they're all, it's toxic. Most of the stuff you're putting in your eyes to watch is toxic. Most of social media is toxic. And you can't have that inner, you can't feel good about, you can't drink poison and feel good. That's exactly what those, and by the way, you are the user. And when you are the user, you are the product. And so know that. So you've got to, as best you can, and you can, re- you have to replace it with goodness. And so for me, it begin. and this is, this is, this is, so that's the easy slash so hard fix. Firing the negative people out of your life, firing your negative self, rehiring your personal self and cutting out that noise. Cause all that noise is addictive as hell, man. It is all very addictive and it all, and it's easy and it's fast and it's numbing, but then you've got to add the positive daily gratitude practices, practicing gratitude, especially to yourself. Literally say what you're proud of. Sometimes just getting out of bed and putting on your pants. Be grateful for that. The fact that you have air in the lungs. The fact that you live in the United States and are on this side of the dirt. There's so many things to be grateful for. The fact that you want to be better. Be grateful for that. What you're doing is celebrating yourself. You're practicing self-love and you're in the present moment. It's impossible to be angry when you're grateful. So a formal gratitude practice, especially to yourself. Some people don't believe in this. The science is real on it. Whatever you're welcome, I'm telling you for years, affirmations is the rewiring that subconscious. I am lovable, worthy, enough, and valuable. I wrote it for 10 years solid. And I, you're talking about the guy that was at the top of a firm and a big dude. I am lovable, worthy, enough. And eventually I started believing it. And I am a patient, kind, loving husband. That's more of an intention. So I write intentions and affirmations just about every day. Now I listen to them. I do them for the quarter and I listen to them every morning. When my feet hit the ground, I literally put in my earphones and press play. And for the next 18 minutes, just pure gratitudes, pure intentions, pure visioning, the man I want to be, the leader I want to be, the spiritual part of my life, my marriage, my health, it's all going into my ears. But I started it by writing it because writing it is oh so more powerful. So I write my intentions. Thank you, Tommy. I say, thank you, Tommy. Self-love, self-gratitude for being a loving, patient, kind husband. That is what I'm working on right now. I want to be more loving. I want to be the same person behind closed doors that I am in public. So I write affirmations and intentions every day. I meditate back behind me as a sauna. I'm not kidding. Um, Every day, most days, except the last week and a half, most days I get up the first thing while I'm listening to, 
I'm lighting a candle. My wife and I love sharing coffee together. I put on coffee. I do the dishes because that's meditative for me. And I'm listening to my visualization. Then I walk down to the gym, get my, my, get my gym on. When I'm done with the gym, I go straight into the sauna and listen to a meditation. It helps me be proactive and not reactive. It helps me watch the monkey mind. And it's usually got a really good message attached with a quiet. So I'm getting quiet. Then I go upstairs. I read my daily wisdoms with my wife out loud. Brings us closer together. She's just waking up. I get up a lot earlier and she's drinking her coffee. She loves it when I read to her. So we're reading the Daily Stoic. We're reading Christian Mystics. We're reading 365 Dow. We're reading all of these daily things to help make us stronger, to help make us wiser. That What I'm doing in all of this is rewiring the subconscious. My affirmations, my intentions, my gratitudes, the working out, the meditating. I believe in prayer. I believe in visualizations, by the way. So I'm always visualizing what I want to be and what I want to become. But here's the thing. So those are the actions you got to take every day. And I'm also a big fan of journaling. And twice a week, I take time to think about my blind spots. So that's the way you unwire yourself. You're, what you're doing is building muscles. And you can't go to the gym in one day and lift one weight and say, whoo, look at my eyes. It takes time. It takes discipline. That's what makes it so, it's so damn easy but so hard because it takes discipline. But you are the problem. You are the solution. Go do it. These tools work. And by the way, all the greats do it. All the people you look up to, whether it's an athlete, an entertainer, they're all doing this stuff. That's what makes them great. And, and finally, again, I'm a firm believer, and I know you run retreats. I know you've got your people. You can't do it alone. So find your tribe of people who are authentic. So here's the final thing I'll say, and I'll shut up, is the people you surround yourself, A, need to be net givers. They need to have the same core values of you in the same direction. If you hang out with mediocre people, you're going to be mediocre. And mediocrity is a terminal disease we got to kill. If you hang out with lazy people, you're going to be lazy. If you hang out with entitled people, you're going to be entitled. You hang out with victims, you're going to be a victim. You're going to blame everybody else. And so uh, you got to surround yourself with net givers, people with the core values and like-minded. They got to make you happy or make you better. Those are your rules. They got to make you happy or make you better. They got to be net givers and they got to be going in the same direction. I got no time for negative Nellies. And you can't do it alone. You can't build a world-class business. You can't be a world-class human alone. It takes a tribe. It takes a village. So surround yourself with authentic people who share wisdom and not advice, who are walking the walk with you, who have been there and done that, and who are there, who want to love you and lift you up and, and want to see you successful. And if you do all those things, if you surround yourself with all that positivity and get rid of the negativity, and I've been struggling with it lately, I want to own that. We just talked about it earlier on the show because I got away from it. If you do all that, you will stand with confidence, self-love, courage, respect, and people, you'll change your energy and people like us will be attracted to you. No, and I love that you're sharing your, your personal kind of things that you're going through right now. And the fact that you're like, hey, I've kind of been dealing with some intrusive thoughts. And it's like, and you've been able to recognize it's like, because I got away from the work, what you shared there, right? It starts with we have to start with kind of the internal kind of mental, like affirmation, the, re, the rewiring of it, right? Like, I am lovable, I am passionate, I am grateful, like, it's got to start in the head, right, mentally, but then we have to follow it with action. So many people say, I want to act. I, I want to be a lovable person, and then they stop it there, right? It's like they never take the next step of actually, like, doing the work. The transformation is going to be done through the process of doing the work. You start with the vision, and then you put in the actual work. Tommy, I love that you shared that you're, uh, uh, you get, like, the meditation behind the, uh, the washing of the dishes. I told you from the beginning, dude, we are wired exactly <laughs> the same. I'm the only other person in the world that looks at doing the dishes as a meditative practice. I don't Me know too, what brother. it is. There's so much peace found above that sink, it's brother. It's water, it's smell, it's cleanliness. single day. It's warm, soapy. It's like, I'm cleaning this. And it's like the completion of a task, man. And oftentimes, I'm podcasting, book, prepping for this show, whatever it was this morning. So... I, I, I love that. Talk Frank, you said something you... powerful, brother. May I just repeat something you said? It was powerful. Please. I think so many of us wait for either a quick fix, a magic pill, um, or inspiration or motivation to start a project, to write a book, to do a podcast, to begin, meditate, whatever. Do one, think small, you know, do small, think big. But you said it first, motivation comes after action. Um, you can't, it, the action, just doing daily, change one small habit. Maybe rem, what's the one thing you want to remove and the one thing you want to add? Just start with one thing. Yes. But act on it, intentional action. Then the action will create results, which then creates the motivation. Don't wait for inspiration and motivation to hit you. You got to act. You got to do the work. You got to do the reps. You got to get in the gym. You got to work on your craft. You got to work on yourself. Act comes results. You can't, your habits, show me your habits and I will tell you your future. 
Actions, results will create the motivation, inspiration. Those were your words. And I want people to hear that because you've got to take action. Mm. That's the number one chapter in the book. Yeah. <laughs> you got to yeah. do. You got to do to become. Yeah. I love that. Rock bottom. For, for you, I heard kind of two, two defining moments, right? You had the, the point 18, 19, young buck meets Tony, kind of rock bottom early on in life to maybe have a true defining rock bottom moment. But it's like, we're, we're not going to get much lower than, than being in prison, right? But then you also had kind of a rock top, yes, rock bottom <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of experience as well. It's like you reach the top of the mountain, right? It's like all the success, fame, money, corner office, sh- like all of that rock top, but I'm kind of paired with a rock bottom moment as well. Do you think that men specifically need to get to a point when it's rock bottom in order to initiate the change? And if not, what can somebody do hearing this today to grow in their self-awareness so they don't get to the point that it's waking up in a ditch? They don't get to the point where they're meeting a Tony in the prison. They don't get to the point where they've had a business failure, they're hitting bankruptcy. How can we get guys to begin to take action? Or an affair that gets public. Yeah, or, you know, like there's, uh, there's all the examples, right? Wife catches you watching pornography. You, you, you're drinking at work, whatever the case may be. How do we get a guy to take action before that massive wake-up call? That is the ultimate goal. And if I had and knew the answer, but I'm going to give you what I believe to be, if I had the answer, man, a whole lot of lives of each other. Unfortunately, again, remember men are, we, we're wired toward power, respect, status, and we're, we're, we're afraid as hell of, of losing face. And we numb ourselves in so many different ways. And women do it too, but men, man, it's, it's on, it, it can be on steroids. So the goal, the question is this, if you, you've heard two guys talking about it, that God willing, we're giving you the gift of going second. You're hearing two people open up about their insecurities, their struggles, we're being authentic, we're sharing wisdom. This is not advice, this is stuff we've lived. And this is stuff that we've lived that has worked. So I would tell every man out there is you're not alone. Whatever it is, are you afraid? Are you worried? Are you not as successful as you want to be? Are you struggling with something? The first thing I want them to hear is you're not alone. And I don't want them to have the collapse. But here's the truth, boys. Your money, your title, your friends, your wife, your kids, your shiny objects, your respect, your toys, your cars, it can all be taken away from you like that. And are you standing there? with strength, confidence, will you run to the fire away from prior? And I don't want people to hit rock bottom, but so many men are so scared to ask for help and they think they're alone and they think they're be they're weak. I'll use that word if they do, but I want them to hear they're not alone. And I want them to go look in the mirror and where are you struggling right now and see the problem and the solution, see someone that can change it, see someone that can take the action, look in the mirror and, and where is it? Is it fear? Is it financial insecurity? Is it your over leverage? Where is it? I, I'm worried. I'm struck. Where, where be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell anybody else. It would help, but be honest with yourself. And do you want to change it? The problem with a lot of us is we, it gets, it, it, it's not till it hits bottom. that we're like, okay, either I'm going to die or go to jail or lose everything, or I got to do something about it. The goal is to get people to take these actions to start working on themselves, to prioritize themselves, to make themselves their number one priority because you are the only asset. You are the number one asset in your life. Your time is number two and your significant other is number three. It goes you, time, your significant other, and those are your three most important assets in your life, but you are number one, so why don't you protect and defend that asset? Why don't you start limiting, getting something out of your life and adding something good, prioritizing yourself so that, but again, you can't walk it alone. Go find your tribe. Go find people who are going in the direction you're going, who want the things that you want, but who are doing the damn work and and follow them. The goal is for people not to hit rock bottom. The goal is to let people they're not. And that, that was the truth. I felt alone. I didn't know why I felt like a freak. I didn't know why I felt alone. I didn't know why I was so damn mad. I didn't know why that I thought the next woman or the next transaction or the next beer or the next chaos was going to make me happy. And what I was self-sabotaging, so hopefully I didn't have the courage to, to take it all away, but I was trying to do it in other means. But I don't want people to get to there. I want people to know wherever they're short in their life. And we're all, by the way, I've still got my stuff. I'm still working on my stuff. I've still got men and women in my life who help me work on my, I am in the self-development business. I have a coach. I run masterminds. I'm in a mastermind. So I'm walking this stuff with you. I'm always, I'm always going to a program or the next retreat because I want to work on this. And I want to open up and be honest, but you've got to find your, I don't want people to hit rock bottom, but so many will have to.
you said find your tribe, but then I also wanted to challenge something on, on what you said. And I'm just curious your thoughts around this because you said you got to be honest with yourself. And then you kind of followed up and said, you don't need to tell somebody else. And I would actually maybe push back on that. I think at some point you're going to need to get somebody in this journey. Oftentimes it's going to be not just one person. It's going to have to start with finding that first person that you can have the conversation with, but then you're going to have to get into some type of group support. Would you agree with, I mean, hundred percent. you're, you're, you're going to need men in this journey. That's why I surround myself. Uh, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I surround myself with other entrepreneurs and executives who have great business success and leadership wisdom, but who also working on themselves to do life. I completely agree. The baby step is to look in the mirror, but Frank is spot on is find somebody. Here's the thing is people want to help you. 99.9% .9 of people are good people, no matter what the news says, <laughs> they're actually good humans and they want to help you. But the most courageous thing that you can do is a ask for help and know that you're not alone and people want to help you find someone who's been there and done that or a tribe who's been there and done that. It could be in your business. I need help in my business and you don't want to show weakness though. But if you already had the answer, you would already done it. And so I think speaking up authentically, asking for help, leading with love, uh, being a learner, not a knower, taking action. These are all the found pillars that the legendary life movement being present, fully immersed in what you're doing. Um, being curious first and not, I think if you find those people, who either you want to be like or the pack of wolves that you want to run with. We just, we just hired a person. We didn't even have a job for her, so we're practicing what we preach. We just recruited her and hired her. We didn't even have a job. We just, know, we just saw talent. And you know what she told us? She goes, well, you guys are the pack of wolves that I wanted to run with. There's no bigger compliment than anybody can give you. Find your pack of wolves. But you're right. You got you to open up mask. It yeah, takes absolutely. a lot of balls. I hope that's okay to say. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of intestinal fortitude. Um, and it is so refreshing. <sighs> so refreshing. Brother, my life changed, man, in 2019. As a six foot three, 260 pound plus bodybuilder at the time, had you know graced the, the covers of magazines, had walked across the stage, competed, won trophies, awards, been recognized like from the outside, a pinnacle of like strength, alpha, right? Presence. Like, but for me, all that anger, fear, kind of insecurity, guilt, shame was just bottled up inside. Like I literally, what I built on the outside was to protect what was going on on the inside. And it didn't do anything to heal any of that. The way that I healed on the inside was by finding somebody that I could feel safe with and just sharing it literally all of it. And, and that was the, really the beginning of everything we're doing here. It's like I said it before, like this podcast is really Frank's therapy that I now just get to share with the rest of the world. But uh, my life has changed through just getting real and vulnerable. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what we're trying to create here. We get to talk in the mirror every day, don't we? <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. And I'll, I'll even say sometimes when we're in a retreat or an experience or master, I'm like, boys and girls, I am not doing this. So I am talking in the mirror. I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you about your faith, if that's okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you – I haven't heard you talk a lot about it, uh, but you mentioned your – you med meditation, prayer, you've, you've, you've thrown out the word God. I can see over your left shoulder here. You got a cross. Um, yeah, you, you'll actually see I've, there's a, there's a Buddha, a cross, there's Yoda, yeah. there's Athena. Got it. Okay. Okay. So how there's would you, there. yeah. How would you define, I guess, your, your faith, your spiritual life? So I am a very spiritual person that is a little turned off by religion. Um, religion was used as a weapon against me and, and as so many people. Um, I am a studier of Christian philosophy. I grew up a Presbyterian. I still, um, on a pretty regular basis, attend some sort of Christian church. I'm very open-minded, though. I, I just, down in my core, 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 core being, can't believe that six or seven billion people are going to burn in hell because I know a lot of those people. I just simply will not believe that, and I'll join them if that's the case. And so I'm very open-minded. I, I read a Taoism uh, book every day, a Christian mystics book every day. I still read passages in the Bible. Most of the people I hang out with because of where I'm from are Christians, but I'm open-minded enough to travel and hear other people. Um, where I draw the line in my spirituality is when it excludes and condemns. Uh, I'm not God and I, I don't, I, and I'm, I'm so thankful that so many people didn't exclude or condemn me because you're talking to a guy who'd done some really bad things in his life. And I do believe a tiger can change its stripes. I, I do believe what Maya Angelou says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. But when they start working on themselves to regain that respect, make them earn it, but they can get there because I changed my stripes. So my, I'm very, I pray every day. I read spiritual based texts every day. 
I'm a grower, I'm a knower, not, I'm a grower and learner and not a knower. And so very open-minded. I just know what feels good to me. I, I know it, I, I'm very in tune with it, what makes the acorn, the oak, um, what connects us to all it is. And um, at the end of the day, it's a, there's an energetic flow. There's a God presence out there. There's a universal intelligence that I'm so in, I believe in. I want more of it. I don't have the answers. No one does. But where I draw the line on, on the religious part of spirituality, like I'm a huge, huge fan of Jesus, just the man, you know, and, but at the end of the day, I, I, I don't have the ability to exclude or condemn. And I think that's a power play. And what worries me from a faith and spirituality standpoint is when we become certain on anything, politics or gods, that's where war and the worst, the worst of the worst of humanity, because we just don't truly know, that's where it gets really, really bad. So I, I work on not being certain at anything. I that's appreciate that, brother. That's, a, that's no. as truthful as I can get. <laughs> Dude, that's, I mean, I asked it for a very, you know, per, per, personal reason, right? I've, I've, I've mentioned multiple times, like I'm just having a conversation with a dude that I'm getting to meet and, and really enjoying what I'm getting out of this. You know, I came to my faith in late 2018 after having really no tie to any type of faith, spiritual part of my life, nothing. Like I lived for Frank and Frank first, but in 2018, there were, there were a lot of key kind of defining moments. I saw God in so many places. I studied uh, apologetics. I, I, I believe the story behind Jesus. I believe that to be ultimately true. And that's where I place my faith, but I don't believe I have any of it figured out. I'm literally stumbling through this every single day. So yeah, that was just kind of a, a question, but I think why I asked it, because as I'm hearing you talk about vulnerability, authenticity, like what I heard is Tommy went through a dissolution of Tommy's ego, right? He put Tommy first. And then in order to get to where he is today, Tommy's got to get out of the way. And I think in order to get out of our own way, we have to be able to disconnect and we have to see that, okay, there's something greater than all of this. And however you want to define that spiritually, religiously, I like that's have a conversation. We can kind of explore this together. But I think what I heard is like, there is something outside of what we see here in this world that's going to put me in this place of surrendering to that. And now I can get myself out of the way so I can step into this legendary life. That was how I processed everything. I, I love I that. that and was. I forgot where I read this recently that when the, um, watching a bird fly by it, when the ego's in charge, the soul dies. And, um, there, I feel so when I get, when I get out of my own way, when I get out of the monkey brain, let go of my egos and wanting, you know, the, the and, and the soul gets connected to other humans or the trees and the birds. And, um, it's, it's just the beauty of feeling, trusting. And I also believe that every time I give gratitude, what I get back, I'll use the word God because uh, I'm a God guy is, is grace. It's the gift back. And for me, the reason I pray, meditation is internal, whereas prayer is external. And on a daily basis, I don't ask for anything. I literally just say, thy will be done and, and help. Like, how can I serve? How can I get out of my own way and be of service? Because I don't know how many more breaths. And I also am a firm believer that that soul, that wisdom lives in our hearts. And it's the wisest muscle that we got. And when we get away from our you call it intuition, soul, Holy Spirit, gut, karma, instinct, whatever you want to call it. It's just universal wisdom. And when we get our head and egos out of the way and get it going, this, this world is a whole lot better place. And I would probably argue that, that you, you know, not, not that you don't identify yourself as a non-believer, but I say you're probably a stronger believer in my opinion than most people that are going to kind of slam just scriptures at you, right? Because I think our beliefs are lived out through our actions. I can look at you and clearly see that you're living everything that you're saying out when there's so many people that you'll see on a Sunday morning quoting all the scripture. And then by Monday, they are not living anything out. I don't see that as a believer. I see that as somebody that is trying to kind of maybe condemn others, right? It's like, look at what I've got over here. Like, go, go do this. It's like, no, our beliefs are lived out through what we do on a daily basis. So. 100%. Hundred percent. Talk about living a legendary life. I know that's obviously the book, the work, the mastermind retreats is all are centered around people aligning business, relationships, work to live this legendary life. If you had to kind of you know sum it up in you know what's the elevator pitch, I guess, or or how do you kind of define living a, a legendary life? What I love about legendary, um, the reason we put that as the title of the book is it's very aspirational. I've written a book that I can't live up to. I'm just super thankful that it has become, by the way, if you're not a reader, I will read it to you on audible. So you have no excuse, short, fun, and actionable, but I chose the word legendary because it's something I aspire to be. And you can, there's some terrible legends that have lived in this world, but to me, legendary is about making an impact. 
It's about being of service. It's about leaving these people in this beautiful planet better than we found them. It's about giving love, receiving love, finding your purpose, using your purpose to always uh, make yourself and others better and to ultimately continuously grow. That's what we chose. But the book is a journey of giving people what they want first, taking action, more financial freedom. I'm a financial guy. People say that money's not important. Run from them. They're broke. Financial freedom, purpose, world-class networking, reconquering your time, cutting out the noise, all of the things that we want as human beings. And then about halfway through, it takes a turn and give people what they need. More, uh, more, you know, master of your mindset, self-love, self-courage, confidence and respect, intimate relationships with your family, friends and others, having the good life and never, ever, ever giving up until your last breath. And so to me, it's about how to live a life of service, how to love yourself, lead yourself better. It's a book, it's a book on self-mastery and self-leadership. And connecting to all that is, there is there is components of spirituality all throughout it, but also the actionable tools and stories. There's only seven pages about me. The rest of it's about great stories and tools and tactics, executable, simple tools and tactics to apply to your life. But to me, living a legendary life is that when your time comes up on this planet, no matter what mistakes you've made, that you have a heart full of gratitude and no regrets and that you 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 look back and you said, man. I did it my way. And to me, that's legendary. And if you, and, and to, again, leave and leave this planet a little bit better than we found it in our fellow humans, to me, that's, and the movement, let me tell you the pillars of movement, because you asked, um, it stands for three things. Number one, prioritizing yourself. And our foundational retreat is all about clarity, who you are, where you're going, who's coming with you. It's about connecting to other world-class men and women. Uh, we do men's and women's retreats separately for a reason. Uh, that uh, we can talk about that if we need to, but there, but our experiences are co-ed, our annual events are co-ed, our masterminds are not. I'll tell you why in a minute. But it's number one foundation that the movement stands on is prioritization of self, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical mastery. Number two is doing business in life with our masterminds and our community, our experiences and retreats and our annual events with people that you want to be around, people that are just like you, who are high achievers, they're ambitious, they're driven. But they not only want to be elite in leadership, business, and success, they want to be elite in life with their families. They want to just grow all around, and they want to do business and life together. That's the second pillar we found on. And the third is if you're not growing, you're dying. And so we want to be for people. We're not for the apathetic. We're not for the entitled. We're not for victims. We're for people who want to look in the mirror, who want to sharpen the pencil, who want to continue to make impact in business, who want to continue to make impact in their leadership but who also want to make impact in their lives. And so to me, it's a holistic approach to masterminding, community building, retreats, experiences. The experiences are more fun and adventurous with components of self-growth and leadership. The retreats intense, four-day four day vacation to yourself, from yourself, for yourself. And it is stepping away from business and life, which is so hard for us to do, and to totally prioritize ourselves for four days and to leave elite. So that's, that's the book and the movement and everything we stand on. And I... And blessed to like you get to talk in the mirror every day with people I love and respect. Um, we get to choose our members, which is really, really cool. I love that. And uh, just, just, I'll just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> How does somebody find their purpose? And is the purpose given to you or is it created? And is everybody's purpose going to lead them to millions of dollars? No. That's a lot of questions there, but. The answer, Where does somebody find their purpose? Yeah, here's, here's the first thing is purpose. Everybody has one to their last breath. Um, purpose is different than responsibility. A lot of people think their family and their kids and their wives are their purpose. No, 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 no. Those are your responsibility. That's higher than purpose. When your kids are your purpose, you lose your relationship with yourself. You lose your relationship with your wife. And it's all about them. They need to find their own purpose. They're your responsibility. That's higher. Um, to lead, love, inspire, to let them hold accountable, to, to do life together. That's different. That's not your purpose. But every, I want everyone to hear this. Every human being, it's why we're put here. It's why we are the superior species. It's why we're not swimming in the ocean trying to not get eaten. Um, that's what put it, we're put here to serve. And purpose is where you find your fulfillment. It's where you find the meaning to life. It's where you find significance and where you make impact. How do you find it? And everyone has one. Even if you don't believe, if you are looking at the fire and, or up at the sky, like, why am I here? It's because you lack purpose. So I'm going to give you the easy formula very quickly to go find it. Here's what's cool about purpose too. It changes during the season of your life. It's not, 
It's not you have one purpose and you got to go find it. If you don't find it, you're screwed. No, 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 no. It's, it changes during the season in your life. So that's what's really cool about it. So it's, uh, it's, there's three pillars to it. Number one is you're really, really good at it. And you're like, well, I don't know what I'm good at. Ask the three closest people to you. They will tell you what you're good at. So you have to be good at it, doing it, because this is where we serve. This is where we find impact and significance and fulfillment. And when we're serving, it could be in our businesses or outside of our businesses, or they could be coexisting. It could, if you really do your purpose well, I promise you the millions will come. However, you have to be good at it. So what is your God-given talent? What are you really good at? What do people come to advice for? Are you a world-class baker? What are you really good at? The number two component, here's the thing, is you got to love doing it. I'm really, really good at M&A, financial engineering, helping people get profitable, business. I mean, I was in the business for 20 years. I was a shareholder and a board of director at a huge firm. I'm very good at it. I don't love it. And if you don't love it, you won't do it or you won't do it to your fullest and it won't, won't give you that fulfillment. You've got to love doing it. I love helping people to be more successful in their business, to be a success mentor because it helps me to be more successful in my life and business because when I teach it, I get to apply it. And to me, mastery is doing the million reps and leadership is teaching. So you got you to be world-class at doing it. If you don't know what it is, ask the people around you. They will tell you what it is. And by the way, if you don't know what it is, we got to work on some of that self-confidence and respect, by the way. Number two, you got to love it. And number three, it's got to make a human, someone, a community, or an organization better. It's got to improve them, which will improve you. So your purpose is where you use your God-given talents, but you must enjoy it. And you use it to make a human, a group of humans, a community, or organization, a business or something better than you found it. And it's where you find fulfillment during this season of your life. I hope that's a simple way to answer that. No, very simple. And I would say I agree with that formula 100, 100%. I mean, that's what this entire podcast and mission and everything we're, we're, we're doing here. And the gazillions of books behind you that I love. <laughs> yeah, probably probably 90% of them you've, you've read as well. I can just tell I'm an, tell I, Oh, that's what I forgot in the tools. Read everything you can get your hands on in self-development, in business, in leadership, and biographies of people who inspire you. Read, or, and now you can listen to it all. Read and listen to podcasts. Podcast. That's the goodness. That's the building the muscles. That's the building the confidence. That's the building the inspiration. It's for, I read or listen. I'm probably listening to three or four books right now. And man, you, you got to be a learner to grow. You got to constantly grow. And the wisdom, there's so much ancient wisdom out there, man. So yeah, anyway, I forgot to say that earlier. Gratitude and reading everything I can put my hands on is probably the two biggest things that change in meditation. Those are the three biggest things that changed my life. And being around other people that want to do the same thing, like who believe in the stuff that we believe. Tommy, you mentioned a couple of times in the, in the show, some things that you're kind of personally struggling with, you know, the thoughts, getting back into the, the patterns and routines and what, like, whatnot. What are you excited about right now? And what are you looking forward to, you know, as we're kind of, you know, halfway, not the direct midway, but we're close to halfway through 2023. So yeah, what are you excited about? And what are you kind of looking forward to this? I'm so the number one thing I'm excited about the most is we have just been absolute. We've earned this uh, through hard work and culture building and practicing what we preach is I have a, an elite team, both at the mountaintop lodge, our, our boutique hotel and the legendary life movement. I, I wake up every day and this is going to sound strange and this is not in a weird way. One of them appears in my brain, almost the first thought and just pure gratitude and how we do our morning meetings and our morning huddles is all about gratitude and service and how can we make our members better and how can we make ourselves better. So it's just, I, that's the thing I'm most excited about. And they're all fairly green and new, which makes it even better. Um, number two thing I'm excited about right now is I have the biggest keynote I've ever done. I was, we were talking off that I'm literally looking at the outline of it right now. I've got about eight, I've got a day or two to finish it and about 16 more days to practice it. Um, it's going to come from the heart. I don't want it to be canned. I don't want it to be so perfect. I want it to be authentic and from the heart, but I've got to prepare. I'm excited about that. Um, we are only two and a half years old or three years old now as the legendary life movement. The book's only three years old been a little bit of a mediocre rise and so there's that struggle and pain and looking up at the sky at night can i do this are you a fraud all that all that the ike i call him my, my alter ego but getting up every day and working on me to be better me um still got some holes to fill there and we'll always what i love about this journey is we never get to the top of the mountain but man getting there is about the ripples we make every day i'm super excited about that but the last thing i'm excited about brother is 
I don't know how we've attracted these entrepreneurs, executives, or aspiring leaders. You know, our community is our lowest level program, our aspiring leaders, people who want to be better. It's just doing business and life with them. It's just an absolute honor. So I'm excited about all those things. I, I might be able to take the whole month of June off, which will be a first in my entire life because we've been burning it, man. So I'm really excited about hopefully... God willing, hope's not a strategy. God willing, making the intention, taking the action to take June off. <laughs> well, I love that, man. And, and from one entrepreneur to the other, man, I think that's the dream we all work towards, right? It's like, yeah, it's we want to have a massive impact. We want to have some financial freedom, but we really want to have freedom of time. We want to be able yes. to dictate when we do the work that we do, man. So that's amazing, man. Uh, I love everything about this. Tommy, I think, I think my favorite part of this conversation, man, has been your humility, truthfully, right? You know, it's like, like you could have gone on here and been like, dude, I've made millions, bro. I was in the corner office, had all these things like this, and now I'm crushing this business. I'm speaking on stages, best-selling book, USA Today, New York Times, all these things, right? You could come on here with the biggest ego, confidence, like projecting the world. You took this hour here today to, to share the things that you're struggling with and the things that you don't have figured out, man. So I just wanted to recognize that man and tell you the, for, right here in my heart, man, how much I've appreciated you being real. Thank man, you, Frank. Because I think that is what's going to really make this conversation drive home with so many and people. And I'm going to spend this weekend reconnecting because we've been going a million miles an hour in different ways, reconnecting with Heather, who's, who's my angel on earth, uh, who loved me when I couldn't love me. We're going to spend some really time reconnecting to her because I think she really wants it and needs it right now, and I think I need some Heather time. So that's another thing I'm working on right now is getting that, that intimate connection back with my, my, my gal, and so I'm super excited about that. And is Heather, if you don't mind me asking, is Heather your wife that you were with when you were in the yeah. firm and through the counseling and everything? They need to build a statue of that woman. We got married in 2001. We started dating in 1995. And we, we jokingly say we've had five marriages, which has been one marriage. Um, we never gave up on each other. We do the work together. We do the routines together. We're business partners together now, um, which has its own yeah. Write another book on that. Um, you can't Biggest lose your piece of advice here then, Tommy, around, around marriage and relationships, right? You know, I obviously, the work that we do um, outside of the podcast, specifically with the men of Rebuilt Recovery, it impacts a lot of relationships. You know, there's a lot of guys here in this right now. Marriage is on the rocks. Maybe they're in counseling. Maybe they're in therapy. Maybe wife has given them the ultimatum. So if you could, you know, as we kind of bring it to a close here today, we'll wrap it up with the last couple of questions here in a minute. But just a piece of advice, man, from somebody that has obviously gone through the gauntlet of struggles, challenges, everything you shared here today biggest piece of advice to a guy that maybe marriage and relationship is somewhat on the rocks it really starts with you walking the walk and working on you first you can't it's not their fault mm -hmm. marriage is a contest of generosity and so sometimes it's going to be 90 10 sometimes it's going to be 50 50 but if you can remember back then when you first met and if it still gives you a smile or a twinge or when you were rabbits and you were full of lust and hope and love and wanted to conquer the world together if you can remember back on that and it still brings a smile to your face and know that marriage is work, you have a shot. If you remember back and, and you, you can't remember all that, it's gonna be harder. But you've got to, you can't fix them. All you can is love them better, but it starts with loving yourself. So I always tell couples, you gotta do the work on your own to, to find out who you are, where you're going, who's coming with you, to lead, love, and respect yourself first. And then you've gotta do the work together as a couple. It starts with ourselves and then the couple. Um, over communicate, um, over, over, over communicate, be authentic, be vulnerable, be honest. I think so many men are scared to be vulnerable and authentic because they think it's weakness to their wives and when their wives are actually craving, craving it. And by the way, men, women don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard, understood, safe, and respected. They want to be heard, understood. We can't fix them. They don't want us to fix their stuff. They just want you to hear them. So shut up, two ears, one mouth. Don't try to fix it. Just listen to them, understand them, and respect them. And I think that would help. And I will tell you just because I had a conversation around this this morning with one of the men in our program, the third thing you said there, they want to be loved, respected, safe. Yep. Women want a safe place. Yep. More than it's anything. It's our job as men. And they want to be heard and men. understood. They Don't blow them over. Don't take them for granted. It's, we all do it. We all take the people we're closest with for granted. You're not alone. But it takes work. It takes communication. I love the whole, uh, I'll do this real quickly, the, uh, the State of the Union walk. Your, your first half of the walk is Arab grievances and your second half of the walk is gratitudes for each other. Mm -hmm. It really helps. <laughs> yeah.
Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Tommy, tell the guys where they can connect with you, where they can learn more about you, the books, the masterminds, the programs, where you're hanging out socially. We'll bring the conversation to a close. Yeah, totally, man. That's a final question. Thank you for that, brother. The book, uh, I highly encourage it. I know it's my, it's my baby, so I'm very, very happy with it. Uh, I, I, it's a book I live, try to live up to every day, and I hate the word try, that I work at living that every day. It is at all your favorite bookstores. It's on Audible. If you're not a reader, let me read it to you. It's quick, it's short, it's actionable, it's fun, but most importantly, it's executable. Like you can apply these wherever in life that you need to work on or in your business, work here. That's in, it's everywhere. Um, Amazon, Audible, Book, Barnes & Noble, you name it. Bookstore, uh, airports, go check it out. It's legendary. Um, if you're really interested in, in maybe being a part of one of our retreats, our adventure experiences, or come and joining the mastermind, the retreats is where the rubber hits the road. You, know, you got to have intestinal fortitude and invest your time, money, and energy into yourself. But come check us out. Email me directly, Tommy at LiveLegendary.today. Tommy at LiveLegendary.today. Uh, or go to uh, go to our website and, and just come check us out. Come play with us. Come hang with us. Hopefully uh, dip your toe in one of our experiences. And uh, if you, if you want to just keep sharpening your pencil in business success in life and do it around great men and women just like you, come join us, man. Come, welcome home. We, we want to yeah. have you. So come, come home with us. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Guys, we'll get all that plugged down there in the show notes, the books, the masterminds, the email address, everything. So, Tom, you'd like to end uh, all the conversations with the same question here. The title of the show is called The Superhuman Life. I told you before we record, and I think we've kind of repeated it a couple times. Our missions are so aligned, so I'm pretty sure your answer is going to be similar to probably something you've already shared here today. But for me, when I talk about living a superhuman life, it's a belief system. It's a way that I try to show up in the world every single day. And it's coming from that place first that I do believe we're put here for purpose. We talked about that here today. But knowing that you're that there's a purpose for your life isn't enough. Too many people stop there. Yeah, God created me for a purpose. What are we doing intentionally, daily, to develop ourselves, develop that purpose, so we bring it to the world in service of others? That, in my eyes, is living a superhuman life. But I love to get the guest take. So Tommy Breedlove, as we in today's conversation, how would you define living supreme in life? Participating in your own rescue. It's right behind me. You've got to participate in your own rescue. And I heard that from a river rafting guide. I was going down a world, a very, very top 10 most difficult river in the world. Five, five plus rapids. That's river speak for very dangerous. And I said, what if you fall in? And he goes, first thing he says is, go to the light, brother, which basically means I'm drowning. I was like, okay, I don't want to go to the light. <laughs> right, what's option two? He goes, you got to participate in your own rescue, man. You got to turn over, put your head up, feet out, look for the rope. If you can't get to the rope, swim. And I'm like, that is an analogy for life. No one knows this is a thing. There's no politician going to save you. God puts you on this earth to take action and to serve. And it starts with lead, loving, and respecting yourself first. You have to participate in your own rescue. You've got to prioritize yourself. You've got to love, lead, and respect yourself so you can love, lead, and respect others. And you will run to the fire when you have those. It's just small daily, literally small daily habits. Take out and take one negative, add one positive. Choose. The only power you have in this world is choice. Choose to participate in your own rescue. And I'm telling you, small daily habits will pay compounding dividends in life. So that would be the, the advice I would give you. Yeah. Tommy, I've asked that question 190 plus times here. And what still blows my mind is we get different, unique answers every single week. We've never had somebody shared from a participation in your own rescue. And for the people of faith, for the ones that are truly walking that out, God wouldn't put you in a place needed to be rescued if he didn't believe that you had the ability to rescue yourself. Tommy Breelove, this has been incredible, man. Absolute honor here today. Thank you so much again, like I said, man, for just showing up humble through humility, authenticity, because I know that's what's going to drive this conversation through these men to inspire them to take action. So guys, connect with Tommy, check out the book. We'll link it up down in the show notes. I'd love to see you at one of their retreats. I'm definitely going to be connecting with Tommy. We talked about it, checking out the retreat, the mountaintop hotel that he has, because hopefully I'll see you yeah, guys. It stays on me, brother. <laughs> yeah, incredible. For Tommy Breedlove, your host, Frank Rich here, guys, we love you. Make sure to support this by sharing it with somebody that needs to take action in their life. But we love you guys. See you next week.